On this episode, we catch up with the one and only Brian Campbell for his thoughts on the upcoming matchup at 154 pounds between Jamel Charlo and Brian Castano. They run it back this weekend. Boots Ennis is on the card. Floyd Mayweather is fighting on a helipad. Triller is serving up some slop. And we also have Zerto Ramirez in action. He wants a piece of B-ball. Let's talk some boxing. Let's break it all down. What's up, my friends? This is another edition of Inside Boxing Live, presented by John Boy Media. I am your host, Dan Canobio, and we have a good one planned for you today. Boxing world in a frenzy, coming off the heels of Canelo Alvarez losing for the first time since 2013 to Dimitri Bivol. There was a lot of fallout. There was a lot of shrapnel flying around after that loss pound for pound list being made terrible pound for pound list being made where should canelo go next is he done is he finished the boxing twitter streets are a a buzz right now to to put it lightly uh people are still talking about that fight with canelo and and bivol i do think it's kind of overshadowing a little bit what we're going to see this weekend over in los angeles on showtime regular showtime might i add jamel charlo and Brian Castaño, that will be the main focus of this upcoming conversation with Showtime Sports uh, co-host of Morning Combat, Mr. Brian Campbell, because Jamel Charlo is fighting Brian Castaño uh, this weekend at 154 pounds. Fun fight. Really fun fight. Uh, fight all about adjustments. You know, every rematch is about adjustments. Will Castaño come out firing like he did in rounds three through eight when he had Charlo befuddled? He can't afford to throw 53 total punches in the first two rounds again. He's got to come out hot. Uh, he's got to try to hurt Charlo because Charlo is looking for the knockout. He doesn't want this to go to the scorecards. And if you're Charlo, stay off the ropes. Don't let Castaño pressure you. Keep the fight in the center of the ring. Fight your fight. He throws 40 punches around. That's the lowest total at 154 pounds, Charlo. But he's very powerful. Seven stoppages in his last 10 fights. Wasn't able to stop Castaño in that first fight. But he had a lot of momentum, won the final three rounds in order to get the draw. So if you're looking at this fight as the 13th round, not the first fight of a second fight, a continuation of the first fight, I think Charlo has all the momentum, but sport doesn't always work like that. I think Charlo somehow finds a way to win. I think he finds a way to stop Castaño somewhere, you know, maybe eight, nine, tenth 10th round finds a way to, to land one of those clutch power shots. But I think it's going to be an outstanding fight. It has everything. I'll have a uh, by-the-numbers breakdown coming out on Twitter uh, in a few days. There were a lot of fights this weekend. zone has Zerto Ramirez uh, versus Dominic Bosel. They tell us that's an IBF eliminator. William Zepeda, who I think is one of the best lightweights that no one speaks about, fighting Rene Alvarado. That's on zone. Floyd Mayweather. Come on down. He's fighting on a helipad in Dubai against Don Moore. That is a real sentence that is really happening this weekend. Floyd can do whatever he wants. Listen, I'm never going to knock Floyd for making money. Uh, all the all-time greats did exhibition fights. Uh, Muhammad Ali fought five men. Or excuse me, that was George Foreman. Muhammad Ali fought pro, uh, pro wrestlers. He fought a Denver Broncos offensive lineman. Yeah, he fought all sorts of, of funky fights uh, after his career was over, during his career, uh, to make some extra money. Does Floyd need the money? Who knows? But he can do whatever he wants when you're the 
the king of boxing for how long he was. You're the, you know, a mega celebrity. Uh, this is America. I know they're fighting in Dubai, but you can go out there and earn still. So he'll make 10, 15 million or whatever to fight Don Moore. Uh, it's something that's been going on in the sport for a really long time. But the fact that it's on a helipad in Dubai, it piques my interest a little bit. Uh, Anderson Silva on the card. We'll see if he gets into that Jake Paul uh, sweepstakes. Triller's putting together some slop. Uh, it should be some fun slop. Uh, Sergey Kovalev, Tervel Pulev, Kubret Pulev versus Jerry Forrest, Evan Holyfield versus three of Fran- uh, Fernando Vargas's sons. No, that's not right. Evan Holyfield in a separate fight. Three of Fernando Vargas's sons also fighting on that Triller card. News and notes from this past weekend. Mike Tyson will not be charged for beating up a Chad on a flight uh not surprised by that when he walked off the plane without handcuffs i knew mike wasn't getting charged with anything uh so good for mike uh don't mess with mike stop messing with mike tyson in public you know you wanted your 15 minutes of fame chad you got it you got your ass kicked and you got your uh you know your criminal past put on blast uh so mike tyson is a free man and i would like to get him back on the show uh ryan garcia speaking of getting on the show he was with us last week at the offices He's going to be fighting Isaac Cruz. This was ordered by the WBC. It's going to go to purse bid. This will be a, a eliminator by the WBC. Winner must face the winner of Haney and Cambosos, even though they'll be fighting for the next year with all the rematch clauses in that fight. But I like this fight for, for Ryan Garcia. I like this fight for Isaac Cruz. This is a tough fight for Ryan Garcia. This is a tough fight for Isaac Cruz. Isaac Cruz stands around the same height, the same build, as Javante Davis. Does he fight like Javante Davis? No. Did Isaac Cruz give Javante Davis hell for 12 rounds? Yes. If Ryan Garcia can find a way to beat Isaac Cruz, if he can find a way to stop Isaac Cruz, and then you got to put some respect on his name because that is a big win for Ryan Garcia with probably his best win. Outside of Luke Campbell, Isaac Cruz, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, beating that drum for a fight with Javante. I think you got to make that fight soon. Leonard Ellerby, my man, you got to make that fight soon. I know that they tried to make the fight. Brian Garcia came on my show a few months ago right here and told me. Big mistake in my career was chasing the Pacquiao fight when it looked like a fight with Javante Davis was signed, sealed, and delivered. Big regret. Doesn't mean that they can't revisit the fight. Because Ryan Garcia, it just came out, uh, brought in almost $1.2 million in revenue from his fight with Emmanuel Togo. Emmanuel Togo is not a household name. No one knew who, Man- who Emmanuel Togo was. But 12,000 tickets sold for Ryan Garcia. Guy is one of the best ticket sellers in boxing. Tank Davis is probably top three ticket seller in boxing. Guy's about to sell out the Barclays Center or put a lot of asses and seats at the Barclays Center at the end of the month. Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, next summer, uh, first quarter or second quarter of 2023, Makes all the sense in the world. Huge, huge fight. So Ryan Garcia ordered by the WBC. I understand WBC orders fights all the time. But this is how fights get made is by purse bid. Fights like with Isaac Cruz with the PBC, Ryan Garcia with Golden Boy. We saw this play out with uh, Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter. Got ordered by the WBO. Goes to purse bid. It's how fights get made. It's the one good thing about all these damn commissions and all these damn organizations is when fight goes to first bid, most likely gets made. Uh, so it, it will either be a bid on it or they will come to an agreement and then we should get Ryan Garcia versus Isaac Cruz uh, sometime in July. Speaking of July, it looks like 
uh, Usyk and AJ are circling uh, a date or circling a location and they're going to be fighting in the Middle East. I'm not shocked by this. Uh, they're chasing the money uh, and any other promoter would do the same thing too. Matchroom has done a ton of fights over in Dubai or wherever they're doing it in the Middle East. Uh, it makes it, they get a shit ton of money on the site fee. They did it for AJ and Ruiz too. And they're going to do it again for AJ and Usyk. I'm looking forward to that fight. Cannot wait to see uh, the adjustments that are made from team AJ. Uh, new trainer, even though it's his, it's the guy that he's been with, the second trainer or the assistant trainer um, to Mark Dibbs. It's the same uh, team for AJ, but I think he'll fight differently in that fight. So that fight is looking like it's going to end up in the Middle East sometime in July. So between this upcoming schedule that we've just had over the past you know, five, six weeks to what we're going to see this weekend. Tank Davis at the end of the month, roll right into uh, Inouye versus Donaire 2, right into Fulton versus Roman, right into Haney versus Cambosos, right into Hall of Fame weekend, right into Better BF and Smith, right into the DAZN card on June 25th with uh, Bam Rodriguez and Sora Rungvisai and Jessica McCaskill on that card and some other names that I'm leaving off the, the card because it's so damn loaded. We are in the midst of one of the best runs in boxing history. Hyperbole, probably, but I feel it. Getting fight, big fight after big fight. Big fight fatigue. Got to make a shirt that says that. That's what I'm feeling right now because it's just can't catch your breath. I feel like just yesterday it was Spence Ugas. I feel like just yesterday it was Fondora versus Lubin. And then we're right into, uh, you know, Canelo losing last week. And now it's an undisputed fight at 154 pounds. Speaking of this 154 pound undisputed fight between Jamel Charlo and Brian Castaño, let's bring in our friend of the show, Mr. Brian Campbell. All right, I've corralled Mr. Brian Campbell. He is one half of the morning combat duo. They just celebrated their 300th episode. Coincidentally, that is the amount of times that Brian Campbell has appeared on this show. So number 301 begins now. Brian Campbell, how are you? I'm great. It's great to be, uh, you know, featured so prominently on John Boy Media today. Uh, you know, this is great. Congratulations to you and everything you've worked for. And, uh, you know, I, I love boxing, so that's why I do this. And also, I like getting paid a lot of money, so I also why I do this. Yes, I appreciate the, the kind words. And a big reason why I got to John Boy was those 300 appearances from, from you. You lifted me up when I needed it. And I know you cover MMA before we get started. Had a very funny run in yesterday with Nick Diaz. <laughs> Wait, um, I just I didn't even plug in my headphones. I'm killing you right here. There's probably Can you hear me? I mean, this no, is you great. sound Hold fine. On. All right, we're, we're rolling here. Uh, there we're, it is. We're still there going. Okay. I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. Were so you I was stopped in California yesterday. Is that what no? You I was in the freaking Midtown Manhattan. So I'm walking back from the office, 39th and Park, and. At the corner of my eye, I see Nick Diaz just standing on a corner, pacing back and forth. And I'm like, what the hell? So we like lock eyes and I'm wearing like a boxing sweatshirt that just says boxing. Um, and he like looks at the sweatshirt, looks at me and I immediately look down because it was like he was like menacing. You know, he was pacing yeah. back and forth on the sidewalk. So then I walk over and I go, you're, you're Nick Diaz, right? And he's like, yeah, that's me. And then just like beelines it away from me. And I was yeah. like, dude, this is freaking weird. Went over to the middle, like the middle of the street. And we're just like taking a look at him. And he was just going back and forth, back and forth. And I hope he's okay. And and <laughs> it was just odd. Like it was a strange interaction. That sounds very odd. And that's uh, 
you know, one day before his brother just posted a picture of himself pissing on the lawn of the UFC PI. So, you know, a lot going on in the Diaz uh, extended family household there. Yeah, wow. it made me think of you. It made me think of you, Nick Diaz, pacing around, uh, you know, lower Manhattan, uh, you know, catching glimpses of, of people and making them scared. But I hope he's all right. I really do. I hope he's all right. Um, I know he's been through a lot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as far as brother pissing on the uh, UFC lawn, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly OK with that. All right. Let's get into it, PC. Big fight weekend coming up on Showtime. Regular Showtime. I love that. Uh, not a pay-per-view. You're going to get a, a, a three-fight offering, but the last two are special. Boots Ennis, Castillo Clayton, and then we figure out who is the best at 154 pounds. Round two, Brian Castaño and Jamel Charlo. How did you have that first fight scored? I know a lot of people going back and forth. Yeah, I'm actually rescoring it today, as a lot of people will for either, you know, preview stories or getting ready for great podcasts like this one. Uh, I remember the first time around, uh, I don't remember my exact score, but it was close and it was for Castaño, which I really think in the end was the right score for a guy that exceeded expectations in terms of the pressure he was able to put on without taking over, you know, unnecessary big firepower in return. He pushed the pace. He set the tone. And if anybody was going to get the nod in this fight, look, it, it, it was Brian Castaño. The question is, can he do it again? Did that light a fire under Jermel Charlo, who we've seen, you know, such spectacular performances and finishes. But to be fair, we've also seen a hiccup in him have to bounce back, including the two fight series with Tony Harrison. So, damn, do I have so many reasons to love and, and things to look out for in this rematch. But first time around, man. It was Castaño's night, and there's nothing else, Dan, that you can say differently that's going to take me off of that soapbox, all right? It wasn't Danny's night. It was Castaño's no, no. night. I agree. I, I, when I watched it the first night, obviously, I was like, I don't score because I'm, you know, I'm doing the comfort box, and you know, I'm just watching the fight trying to figure that out. And, but you know, when I walked away from the fight, I was like, damn, Castaño did enough to win. He had better. He had more rounds where he did more damage. You know. But the second rewatch which happened uh, this, this past week, I'm like, oh, I can kind of see how this got close. I can kind of see some of these swing rounds. I watched what Showtime put out with Farhood, which I thought was outstanding uh, content, like going round by round, you know, going through the mind of a judge, not Chuck Giampa, but uh, the mind of the judges. That was there. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> oh, shit. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. You know, oh, we're live. OK, oh, keep, it keep it going. I didn't know that. But anyway, uh, I think it's going to be another close fight. And you're, and you're right, like. Obviously, rematches are all about adjustments. Who's going to make that adjustment in this fight? It's, it's Will Castaño step on the gas from the opening bell because he is a pressure fighter, throws the most punches at 154, close to 80 around. But over those first two rounds, Brian, he threw 53 total. He allowed Charlo to get into a, a little bit of a rhythm early, but then Castaño took over in rounds three through eight. But then in the final three rounds, it was all Charlo. So there were a lot of swings in this fight. But to me, it comes down to... The adjustments. If Charlo can stay off the ropes, if Charlo can keep it to the middle of the ring, if he can use his jab, then he can neutralize a lot of what Castaño wants to do in there. He can. Look, that's why when, when people talk about this rematch, and, and I agree with you, thank God it's not on pay-per-view. This is such a great fight. The masses, more or less, are going to have the opportunity to tune in on Showtime and see it. But who can do better? It's Jermel Charlo. Will he? We're not sure. We're going to have to find out because Castaño overexceeded that first fight. But can Castaño be better than he was last July? I don't think he can. The key for Jermel Charlo, you know, is really the key, Dan, that we've been saying now 
before and after both Harrison fights, you know, the Jason Rosario fight, is he going to throw enough punches mm -hmm. where if he doesn't get that spectacular counterpunch knockout, which he's amazing at, watch the Rosario fight, watch Lubin, watch Charles Hatley, watch all of those. I mean, he's, he has a highlight reel. But when things are on closer terms, will he throw enough punches to, to, to you know, speak for the fact that for the most part in these exchanges, he's the better fighter landing the cleaner shots. I just yeah. don't think he lands enough of them. Now, in the in the first round of their first fight, you did have Al Bernstein on Showtime saying, you know, I don't think Charlo likes to be mm -hmm. the aggressor coming forward. I think he prefers to be the counterfighter. And I think that's correct. And we've seen, you know, Canelo, Gervonta really adapt that efficient, low-output yeah. style where when they do throw, it matters and it gets your attention. But I think for Charlo, he's too talented to have to live in that style, in my opinion. I think if he can use his jab, not just defensively, but offensively, he's a completely different fighter. And I think the fact that he doesn't live and die by the offensive jab is really what allows Castaño to get onto his porch mm -hmm. and make the magic happen. And now it just turned out, Dan, Castaño, better defensive fighter than we assumed in this matchup at this level, certainly probably better than Charlo expected, so his idea of let me let the bull come at me and just matador my way to piecing him up, it didn't happen that first time around, or at least not consistently across the 12 rounds. So what adjustments will Derek James and Jermel Charlo make? That's what I'm tuning in to see. That's why I can come out here and say, I still think Jermel Charlo is the best 154 pound fighter in the world. Even though I'm telling you, I saw him lose last time to Castaño. He can raise his game. He's done it before. How will he respond to this challenge? That's why I'm tuning in Saturday night. I actually think it's the opposite. I think that Charlo can't fight any better. He, if you take a look at it, his career norms were all the same in that first Castaño fight. He threw the same amount of punches. His punch distribution was the same. His accuracy was the same. As for Castaño... He threw 42% less. His work rate was down that much because he was that cautious, worried about what was coming back at him. If Castano could throw more punches, I think he can trouble him. But I do uh, agree with you that with the fact that Charlo has to up his pace. You know, he throws the least amount of punches at 154. We got the most punches at 154. Castano, least amount of punches thrown uh, with Charlo, with 39 around. You can't sit at 39 because rewatching the fight, I agree with you with the Gervonta and, and the, the Canelo style. You're walking a tightrope. It is, it look what it did to Canelo. It came back and bit him in the ass. You can't just sit there and not throw punches, especially if the other guy is active. You know, Bivol, not the most active fighter, but he threw 50 punches around and he won a lot of those rounds off activity and the sheer inactivity of Canelo. The same could be said for this Castano fight. Castano can pressure him without a jab, too. He, he found ways to cut off the ring. He found ways to pin Charlo on the ropes. Charlo has to figure out a way to throw punches in this fight. Um, he did up his pace in this fight. You know, he, he, Castaño got him to bring that pace up a little bit. But, man, uh, you know. Well, that's the, you know, more is asked at the highest level and certain opponents more is asked. Castaño is a fighter who, who asks more of you. If you're going to beat him and fight on his level, you have to, in your own way, match his output because you know what we know this we know the strike zone of the of most elite judges when all things are relatively equal 
They favor intention. What did mm-hmm. Bivol do against Canelo? Even if he wasn't landing everything clean, the intention of putting Canelo to the ropes and throwing four or five straight hard power punches against the high guard, that 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 visually tells you something. Castaño was intentionally in his face showing you that he's pushing the attack. Even if Charlo's numbers were consistent with the past, Castaño's not consistent with the Charlo opponents of the past. We need a better Charlo in the rematch. We need a better output. Unless, Dan, he's going to put all his money on landing that one punch, I don't think Castaño has a chin weak enough where that's going to be there. You know, And he's not reckless enough where that one shot is going to be there like Rosario took, like Harrison, who I thought was winning the rematch with Charlo late, yeah. caught that one punch to, yeah. the, to the chin, got solved. Uh, yeah, however you want to look at it, Jermel Charlo has the potential to be the best fighter in this division. This fight was made in some degree, you know, to, to give him that chance to be crowned the undisputed king at 154 before he eventually probably ends up moving up in weight. He got lucky in some sense that he's got a second chance and that his late comeback was enough to, to give the judges uh, a reason to score him a draw. Mm-hmm. But that outlying third scorecard still eats at me as I think it eats at that a lot of people. Mascos to have it that wide. And I think, you know, if, if there's one, one major problem above all, Dan, in our great, but disgusting, but <laughs> great, but awful, but just the best sport of all time is if we can get rid of those third outlying scorecards, I have no problem with difference of opinion. I have no problem with respecting the stool that those judges sit on the Island that they're on. They're not on Twitter. They're looking at things differently than Joe Schmo at home with the, with the beer and the Twitter open. Mm-hmm. But we can't have that third, you know, it, it's, the, it's the equivalent when you're playing Madden or whatever your sports video game of choices and you're in a season. And as Bill Simmons would say, you get that FU game where they're like, there's no chance you yeah. are winning this no matter how, you know, whether you cheat, no, you dig deep, whether you play your Madden cards, you're not winning this. I got to get rid of that judging scenario in major fights. That's my TED talk. Thank you for signing up. No, I, I 100% agree. I mean, does that mean that you're on board with Jake Paul's five judge the thing with that is like five judges that means like hey, that's more likelihood of you know more bad scorecards i'd rather go to the five judge and then only keep the three closest scores than even joe cortez's volleyball referee judge chair idea overlooking the ring or you know other ideas of having one judge sit backstage with no crowd pressure or having a you know seventh judge smear peanut butter across the screen and then take a knife on a black and white tv Let's and try just it all. you know clean it i mean look we, we we could try it all but uh you know the issues we have i look the second time around they're both going to get a chance uh i want to interview you on your own show dan and say please do. if you believe castaño can do better how is it doubling down on that stick pressure how does he do better he's got uh yeah he's got to up his pace i mean that's crazy to say he he, he brought it down uh charlo brought down castaño's pace in this fight he got him to fight his fight but he's still in my opinion, in your opinion, lost the fight. So if Castaño can keep the pressure, there were a few times where he let him off the hook a few times. If he can continue to do that, I don't think he's going to hurt him. That's the thing. I think that Charlo hits harder. Castaño did shock him a few times in that second and third round early. But if Castaño can, can not give him those first two rounds, if he, he's a slow starter, Castaño, he's got to come out of the gate hot. You just go for it, man. First two rounds, only through 53 uh, total punches. He cannot do that again. You can't give him a cushion. You can't let uh, Charlo warm up and let him get into a rhythm, stay in the middle of, of the ring. I think if Castaño comes out hot and applies that pressure that he did in rounds three through eight in the first two rounds, 
And then, you know, it's going to be a close fight that maybe he can, you know, somewhat get, get it in his, uh, to his side. It's not in Houston. Uh, it's in a, a quote unquote neutral uh, arena in LA. We'll see if that plays a role, but of course this goes back to, to the judging. I mean, I know Charlo said he's going for a knockout. Uh, that's interesting to me. I think that plays right into Castaño's hands. Um, I don't know. He's very angry, Charlo. Very, he's going well, for blood, he says. I mean, he should. He should have that attitude. He should have the attitude that something I'm doing, you know, because he he also thought he won the Tony Harrison first fight. And some people did, too, as well. And it, But I think it came down to that same thing of where we're asked to depict art on a smaller you know, you could have used more colors. You could have draw more. You could have drew more lines in that art to round out the edges. Let's see if he can do that this time around. Oh, who do you think is um, inevitably next? Is it is it uh, is it Fundora? Is I love Fundora. Tim I think Zoo? there's a top four right now. It's the two guys we're going to see on Saturday night. It's Tim Zhu and it's Sebastian Fundora. I know Tim Zhu's a level of competition isn't uh, at the other threes or the top two, but I think on just talent wise. I think uh, Fundora, excuse me, I think Zoo is in that top four, or at least who I think should be fighting in this round. Robin Fundora is third to me. That performance against Lubin was stuff of legends. I mean, just look at the guy. He figures out ways to win fights, uh, doesn't jab at all despite having the arms of a, in legs of a giraffe. He just goes in and just fights on the inside, which is nuts, smothers his work. But yeah, I think it's Charlo Castaño, Fundora, Zoo. Uh, obviously one day Spence and Crawford, I guess they're going to move up, but hopefully that doesn't happen before they fight each other. It's one of the best divisions in boxing because it shows you what the sport could be. If there was like one overarching, you know, league and yes. it was just, you have to fight the next guy. Cause take a look at who has held championships in this division. Uh, it's been Charles, it's been Jason Rosario, it's been Jared Hurd, it's been, uh, J rock, uh, you can go all, trace it all the way back to Corey Spinks in 2010. How I many where, where this belt has changed hands? And over the last five years, the fact that they are all under the PBC banner, it's is it the most is it the best division in terms of talent? Probably not, but it's the most exciting division, giving us the best matchups, showing us the that parity. Parity, yes, it's exactly. The best if, parity, yeah. If if everyone fought each other in in every division, you it, it would mirror what's going on at 154. It looks a lot like heavyweight at the moment, except heavyweight has a Tyson Fury. And, and yeah. you know, in some degree, I think Jermel Charlo could become that Tyson Fury of this division. Maybe not as wide a dominance, but, uh, you know, I do think he's the most talented. But, man, you know, it's been a recurring problem that's been knocking on his door. And um, now's the time to fix that. And you got a hungry guy who's coming at you who can hurt you with that short left hook, as we saw in that first fight. So maybe he's right, Dan, in saying I got to get the knockout here. Maybe Jamel's got to hurt him before the other way around. Either way, I just got, I just got really excited. Jazz, I, love I it. got really excited. All right? I love the fact that both guys hurt each other in this fight, and they with withstand it. You know, they with they, they took it. They took the punch early, uh, whether it was Charlo early on, and then it, it was Castano late taking that punch. But you said something interesting to me. You think that you could see Charlo going up in weight. But that would mean that Jamal would have to go up to 168 before they make that move, correct? Or, or am yeah, I look, look, a, a lot of this, it feels like everyone's plans between like this large window of 154 and like 199 and a half, everyone's waiting to see what Canelo does next, yeah. right? To see where they fit in. It's very reminiscent of the Floyd pay-per-view welterweight picture to try to get in line. But I do think... Uh, Look, there's going to be some some big business. There's going to be some. This, if Jermel stays at 54, he can be the king there. 
But every time you see somebody become an undisputed champion, which he has the chance to do once again on Saturday, they tend to look around and go, okay, like I've, I've conquered this. What's next? Can I move mm-hmm. up to a division that's easier to make the weight? Yes, I do see his brother Jamal moving up. I can see, look, it, I mean, is Canelo going to run back to the Bivol rematch, which in theory, if he wins it, could open the door back to him seeking an undisputed championship at 175. <laughs> He's the type of competitor that po- pro- possibly, probably, who knows? It's a, the, the world is Canelo's. But I think when he goes back to that, you know, what are my options next? What's the plans? I think he comes back down to 168, do, could I be agree. triple G. And yeah. I think he starts to look at the next five years, what are my superstar breakthrough crossover fights that also give me that competitive mm-hmm. drive to be at my best? Well, good Lord, that's Benavidez. That's Jamal Charlo. That's maybe Spence in a catch weight. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's the area in and around 168. So I think that's where Jamal, Jamal goes. If Jermel becomes undisputed champion, I, I don't know who else is going to motivate him. Right. I could see him moving up at the same time that Swift Herd moves up with him. And, and you know, and we start to combine forces of who's around, who's available at 160. Um, does yeah. that mean Andre ever fights somebody? Probably not. <laughs> I hope so. I like Andre. Probably I want to see him in there. I want to Probably not, though. You're right. There's a lot of shuffling going on. It all starts with Canelo. I do think he settles in at 168. The biggest winners of the Canelo losing to to Bivol were Jamal Charlo and were David Benavidez and were maybe Andre because that's where Canelo's going to settle in. I think, I think a rematch with Bivol is too risky at this point in his career. Back-to-back losses, you don't want that. I think he fights uh, Golovkin in September and then he takes a look at what's going on at at, at 168. I can see Jamel sticking around maybe. That's another thing too is when you conquer a division, you win all four belts is – mandatories come knocking and he's in a position in his career where he wants to maximize his earning potential. He's uh, 32 years old. They're not young anymore. The Charlo brothers by boxing terms, you know, he's got to go for the biggest fights, you know, fighting mandatories. I mean, yes, if he wants to keep all his belts, he can do that, but he's got to go after the, the biggest fights. 160s is barren right now. He can go in there and become a you know two division world champion. You know, if he wants to build legacy, Jamel Charlo seems like he is a guy that is very uh, that's important to him. You know, uh, being undisputed at 154, moving up to 160, and figuring out who's there and going after him, I can see that happening too. I want to see what happens with Crawford. I think Crawford versus Jamel Charlo. I know that you I was gonna uh, say, yeah, I saw that tweet that you put out that it would be like the most violent press conferences the most violent fight it wouldn't be the most maybe pleasing aesthetically because both guys are very economical but that fight ain't going the distance if it ever happened no oh uh, no and i so th- that's reason enough if you're jermel to stay around a little bit longer i also wonder you know could he end up in a title defense against a danny garcia on pay-per-view very possible you know name value wise at 154 but yeah uh you know when you do get those four belts if there isn't a money fight coming your way you tend to get out of there and move up so we'll see but uh hey uh as you point out often on twitter i think we just came off the dan canobio appointed best month in the history of our sport uh let's see what 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 may you know in june and july can bring us we're on a hell of a run man this is like absurd the boxing fans are getting like everything they want it's almost like I've never experienced or haven't experienced this in many years. And I know boxing fans probably haven't either. It's like big fight fatigue. Like we, we just came off of Spence Ugas and then you roll right into Fury versus uh, White. Then you got Taylor Serrano, Stevenson Valdez, last week Canelo. You know, this fight this weekend, I feel like if it didn't have those five weeks before it would be feel a little bit bigger. But it's just like, oh, another undisputed fight. Oh, we're getting an undisputed I, fight. I'm with you. It's wild. You know, 
when we had less, it was more about, you right. know, HBO 24 seven showtime, all access where you, you feel like you spent two full, three full months getting yourself primed and ready for a big fight. Now I feel like we're turning it around on like four days notice going, that's Oh nuts. shit, I got to get my mind into, uh, into the next one, but you're right. But that's, you know, I, you know, in, in my line of work, I, I, I run into a lot of, uh, MMA fans, you know, the, the skinhead sport, mm. but this has been a great year along with 2021 to slowly convert them to this side of the street and say, Hey, look, you know, this drug over here, it'll kill you. It'll take all your money. You know what I mean? It'll, it'll isolate you from your friends and loved ones, but damn. Right. Yeah. But it's when it's damn, done right. Brother. When it's done right. When the sport is done right. It's one of the best sports in the world. I'm slowly converting uh, these kids in my office at John boy to, to boxing slowly, but surely they don't know anything, but it's like, Oh wow. Like Brian Garcia came through the office. Oh shit. Oh, Canelo lost. Does, does that, what does that mean for you? I was like, that's actually a good thing. Like it means more content. It means more questions. It means there's just a lot of storylines right now in yes. the world of, of boxing. We're talking about uh, Charlo's uh, plans at 154. What is he going to do? What's, what could be next for him? Brian Castaño could put a big halt to all that. He can spoil this whole party very, very easily. That's the fight, the main fight on, on Saturday. Boots Ennis, also another thing, too, with all these big fights, is like kind of getting a little bit swept under the rug. The fact that probably the, the next pound-for-pound uh, pound king or the future of the sport fights against Castillo Clayton. Castillo Clayton's really good. I've seen the guy fight a bunch on the Broadway boxing circuit. Uh, I was ranked pretty highly at one point. I don't have to put much stock into that, but I think he'll give uh, Boots rounds, but obviously I, I'm looking at another stoppage, another dominant performance from Boots. Yeah, this is this has another the potential to be another F around, get a triple-double, continue, you know, really getting us primed for what the hell is it going to look like when this virtuoso talent steps up to the highest level. And, and Dan, we do know that there's some potential hiccup in, in Boots getting there maybe because he didn't sign with the PBC yet is a featured Showtime fighter. You know, I've asked Steven Espinosa about that. A lot of other people have. And, you know, the sort of working answer is it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. But the best way to circumvent the potential of others not wanting to fight you, whether it's because you're really scary or for business reasons, is obviously playing the, the mandatory, you know, sanctioning body game. And boy, has Boots done that as well. As we know, if he beats Custio Clayton, he becomes the, the mandatory for Errol Spence. And, you know, the idea of, of, of Boots forcing his way into a massive pay-per-view, hopefully after Spence Crawford. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've long said that if this man keep, Boots keeps winning and you need a pay-per-view debut to, to toss him into the deep end of the mm -hmm. pool... I got I got my man one time in the bullpen, Keith Thurman. Okay, that, that <laughs> Keith Thurman wants he wants no part. No You're part actually there on that set. Uh, they all the want no part, but they shouldn't, Dan. Because be be fair here, we watched Spence from the beginning and said, oh sh oh oh crap, that he he's he's you know, he's the real one. Same mm -hmm. thing with Crawford. I think Crawford and Spence. The reason why we love that fight so much, the reason why we love them, is that they could be our our, our hag or sorry, our Hearns and Leonard of this welterweight mm. era. But I can't remember the last time we've had somebody like a boots Ennis who just is just different. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's reminiscent. I, I make this comparison and I think it's apt. It's reminiscent to seeing LeBron James step off the court at St. Mary St. Whatever in Akron, Ohio, mm -hmm. and walk onto the court for his NBA debut for the Cavs at Sacramento. A lot of us remember that game in, yeah, in the 20. Uh, oh, three, oh, four yep. season you know, Ricky Davis and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. like, 
it was like, oh crap, he's a man. <laughs> like he's a he's he's a man, man. Like he's yeah. he's you know, but he can just you don't know what he could do next. And and damn, that that's that's some exciting shit right there. I mean, maybe yeah. young Gervonta showed us some of that, mm-hmm. those kind of flashes of sparks, but uh sign me up to this guy against an elite body, but you gotta get through Clayton first. And last time I checked, didn't he push Sergey Lipinets. Yes, the, I thought uh, he beat Lipinets. I thought he beat. Yes. Castillo Clayton's very good. We're gonna. This is a great litmus test for, for Boots. I think he has every tool. He's damn good. Eye test. The the he's got power. He's got everything. Great defense. Great jab. You know can can show do things in there that you've never seen before. Almost like a, a like a Roy. He fights like a Roy Jones to me. Like wow, this guy. You watch him fight. You see something that you've never seen, or you see something like wow, this guy has legit everything. And I, you brought up Spence, and that's pretty much the same route. Uh, that Boots Ennis is going because no one wanted to fight Spence early on. Uh, he had to play the mandatory route until one day he showed up in over in Sheffield, England, and took the belt from Kell Brook. And then what? Guess what? I'm the guy now, uh, so everyone else can get in line now. I think that is Boots's route. And look at 147. It is a great division, but the top names are on the north side of 30. They are aging out, and they are heading up to to 154 after. Uh, you know, those big fights with a Spence and a Crawford, a Danny Garcia is gone. Porter's retired. Keith Thurman is, you know, looking for just another big fight. And then I wouldn't be shocked if he heads off into the sunset uh, playing his flute or being a broadcaster. Uh, th- so this prime, it's prime for Boots Ennis. It's prime for guys like Virgil Ortiz, whoever wants to keep moving up from 140 uh, to 147. But I think Boots is, is the the top guy and i think a lot of fans agree with that it's not even hype anymore it's like this guy has arrived and he is here uh to stay before i let you go brian we're going to play an old game that you made famous on a podcast that no longer exists do we give a shit do we give a shit about some of these fights this weekend because they are there's some wild ones we got floyd mayweather versus don moore on a helipad in dubai you can catch that on live now pay-per-view Anderson By the way, I, I, that's that's not a disrespectful slant at Floyd. Seriously, if he can make the money and get people to care, that's great. Anderson I Silva's agree. on the co-main. I mean, that's great. But, you know, should we care about him against some guy who hasn't fought in six years with a padded fake record? No, no. Where no. do they find Don Moore? A sparring partner of Floyd's? Like, I'm hearing, I'm just very curious on the backstory of how Don Moore got this assignment. I, I'm hoping that Don Moore is that um, unnamed waiter who who waited on Les Moonves that time and, and got him to make Mayweather Pacquiao happen. I'm hoping oh, that's Oh, God. Great one. That was a good one. Anderson Silva's on it. I'm going to keep an eye on that to see how he looks. I think he's in the Jake Paul running. But that's what you can f- watch on Fight TV. I don't know what time it's on, but uh, if you're interested in watching Floyd Mayweather, or you can just follow Michael Benson with two N's. He'll be all over that one. Uh, Triller. Yeah, that guy is is a is a... Is a uh, I don't know if it's acceptable to say this word, so let me say it. He's a um, a woman of the night of boxing media, right? Of of Twitter, right? He's a Go he's on. a promiscuous tweeter of all news from he's all. He's like an aggregator, but he is a human because he'll eventually do like eventually, but he'll occasionally like do an interview where it's just audio and it's like, oh, you you are a human being, like you're not yes. just like aggregating news. But I saw something on Twitter that they are getting rid of, like they're gonna crack down on people that just do what he does just like kind of copy and paste journalism, copy and paste reporting sucks for Benson with two ends. Uh, you know, yeah, we're maybe... going to need some original takes from Benson with two ends in that yeah. regard. Can I ask you a personal question, Dan? Yeah, I, I would love that. You know, how upset are you? You know, cause, cause I still haven't gotten over after Floyd retired and um, you know, Dan Rayfield, who had a very large position at ESPN at the time, you know, was like, 
hey guys, um, Vladimir Klitschko is your new pound for pound king. And we're mm. like, really? Well, I guess we have to live with that. <laughs> really, Dan? Um, really? Andre Ward, not 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 Chocolatito, Vlad, really? Um, so you know, I've gotten on Dan for that, but you know, Canelo just lost the daring to be awesome fight, and you know, Mike Coppinger's like, sorry, dude, you're number six pound for pound. Ring magazine's like, sorry, brah, you're number six pound for pound. Hey guys, Canelo's still number one. Okay, can can we, uh, Dan? Can you, uh, you know, teach the people why this is wrong? I mean, what the hell is? Well, wrong I wanted with to these ask people? you. I wanted to ask you. Does your employer make you do pound for pound list? Yes, I do, and I updated mine this week. Okay, on mine, you're ranked sixth. I don't know if you saw the tweet I put out yesterday. Yeah, I you're, did see that. I appreciate that. You're yeah. sandwiched between uh, Zhang Zalai and David Diamante. Um, Zhang Zalai, my guy. Yes, yes, I yes. butchered his guy. name right there. I got Scott Nicholson four. I got my buddy Leonard Ellerby, who has it out for me at three. Yo, have, Lenny is going to kick your ass because he don't, as you call him, because he don't he don't play. And, you know, so. he doesn't do that fake shit. We'll see. No. May 28th. I, I, I want to hug it out with Leonard. I have no problems no. with him. He don't, I mean, he don't I want, I said mild, mildly criticism of a mild, I don't know the right phrase is, about Javante Davis. The things that we all think about Javante Davis. Great talent. Love watching him fight. One of the most exciting guys in boxing. Want to see him fight someone great. Want to see him fight someone awesome so we can properly put him in this mythical, ridiculous pound for pound list. But yeah, I don't do pound for pound list. I'm glad that my employer doesn't make me do them because what is the criteria? What are we doing with this list? Is it just a list of who we think should be in there so we don't get slammed online? Is it like, is it mythical matchups from where's Bert Sugar when you need him? Because I feel like he, well, everyone's got a strike good... zone is different, you know. I mean, Dan Rayfield again, I love Dan, but you know, he never put Rickendow in his top 10 after beating number two ranked Donaire, you know, or number three ranked Donaire back in 2013. You know, I think it was a personal, a personal attack, you know, and and when I see just egregious pound for pound rankings worldwide you know i, I get upset you know and people yeah. got mad at me when i put golovkin in after the stevens fight when i put shakur stevenson in two oh, fights should ago. be in shakur should, oh, two i'd rather ago. be i'd rather be early on a guy and play the eye test over substance that's yeah. fine but when canelo's winning titles in you know 19 divisions and trying to fight freaking Usyk at 201 pounds i know it was it was just rumors but the point is, when he's doing ish like that, you're going to drop him to six. No, he should be he in the top three. He should be in the because top three. Because he lost seven, five on three scorecards. <laughs> I get Bivol, be, you know, I thought Bivol 11 rounds to one. The mm -hmm. whole point is, you know, it's like, look, when Lomachenko lost to Teo, still had him ranked sixth. Okay. Right, right. Uh, you know, what do you, the guy could be the number one fighter at 130, 126. He could do whatever the hell he wants. He's but that's not the whole point. Great. Isn't that the whole point of the pound for pound? It's like guys that can jump up. Like Shakur Stevenson should be on everyone's list because he's a guy that's like jumping up divisions and, and winning belts. Same thing with Lomachenko. He's any from 126 to 135. He's doing great things. And that's where it gets murky for me. It's like, what the hell is this? What's the criteria for his list? Because there is none. It's pretty clear seeing some of the ones that are floating around right now. I'm not a big pound for pound guy, but I like to figure out who's number one. That that's intrigues me. Uh, Canelo, I think, would probably drop into the top four still, top three. You know, it's between Crawford, Spence, Usyk, and Inouye. I mean, that the fact that there's so many great talent, like there's so much great fighters out there right now, it's it's a great thing. I, I don't know. I, I think they're ridiculous. Uh, I, I'm sorry that anyone has to make them because there's no there's it's just beauties in the eye of the beholder. It's what you think at the moment and. Hey, right that now. hasn't stopped figure skating. 
that hasn't stopped the Miss America pageant. Okay. It's the same standard Stan. All right. But they figure it out at the end of the day, they get it right. Okay. Yeah. Let's get it right in boxing, please. Let's get it right. Uh, Zerto Ramirez is also fighting this weekend. IBF eliminator. Dude, I feel bad for Zerto because, you know, I, I get the same emails you probably do of, you yeah. know, his team reaching out for coverage. And it's I like, do. I like Zerto. Do I want him to challenge, you know, a 49 and 0 or 50 and 0 without really fighting anybody? No, I don't want that. Okay. So, no. you know, it's great that every other day there's a press email that says he wants Canelo. <laughs> you know, I mean, Dan, it's a, it's the thing is like, at some point, people got to get extreme. Boxing's an open business. No one has to fight anybody if they don't want to. Yeah. But remember when Tarver showed up? You know, at Roy Jones's press conferences and said, "What do I have to do? Piss on your lawn? What do I have to do?" Shabby right? breaks that shit. Sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you got to break glass. Sometimes okay? you got to get glassed and yeah. throw glass at David Hay. Okay, sometimes you got to do that. All yeah, right? Zerto. I, I think he's more relevant now this week after we saw it from Bivol. I think he he's in the mix. He's like a top four guy, light heavyweight. He can make some fun fights there. Uh, I'm running out of time on my Zoom. I did not upgrade. I'm a cheap son of a gun. I have three minutes, but we have three minutes to talk about what's going on on Triller. This weekend, I know you guys love Triller. I know Luke Thomas loves Triller. Sergey Kovalev versus not Kubret Pulev, Tervel Pulev. Kubret Pulev yeah. versus Jerry Forrest. Evan Holyfield on the card. Three, not one, not two, but three of first for Fernando Vargas. And every Vargas God. family member. Everyone, every Vargas his cousin, family. his nephew is. Here's the weird thing. The only good thing I think Triller actually really did was when they pivoted to that hybrid sort yes. of and they're boxing MMA middle ground triller versus tri ring, whatever you call it. They got sued by BYOB. I don't know what the hell that even means. Bring and then they, and then they, uh, and then they bought BKFC. But the whole point is, look, there's something redeemable there. Do I need crime faces on the call? No. Do I need concerts? No, there was something redeemable there, but now they're like, Hey, we're going to go back and do actual boxing. They're all over the place, man. Pulev versus Jerry Forrest would have been a perfect hybrid, whatever, a triangle ring. Cool. I, I would like to see Kovalev sent to hell in a, in a triangle ring with small gloves on by a guy named Tervel Pulev. I, I would, Has I would Tervel see that. ever kissed a female reporter or no? All right. Then that, that just got swept under the rug, too. That was wild, too. Oh, Jake Paul said I mean, it Canelo best. knocked out. Canelo knocked out Archie Solis's teeth on the street over a woman. Nobody wants to talk about it anymore, okay? That's what I mean. Like Jake Paul was right when he said, Bo I love boxing because she can't get canceled. That's, right. that's a good place to end. It's a great, Mr. It's a great point. It's a great point. <laughs> Mr. You know? Brian Campbell, appreciate the time. You're the best. Morning comeback. Go check them out. This guy comes on my show on his day off. He just loves to talk. I figure I feel like I got you primed for what else you have to do today. A Charlo Castanio breakdown or whatever. Yeah, I got to rewatch Charlo Castanio, write a nice preview for CBS Sports. Thank you for, for your patronage, Dan. It's been a great time being on your show for the 75th time. That's great. Brian Campbell, everyone. Thank you.